everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 138th episode of the podcast that is taking you on a journey, on a train, on a plane, on an automobile ride, through the history of the Marvel Universe adventures involving superheroes and their World War II historical counterparts. Obviously, I have never actually written down an intro for this show, and I make it up every single time. (laughs) Well, it sounds about right. Um, We started with the Fantastic Four number one from November 1961, and we have gone all the way up to tonight, Fantastic Four 58 from 1966. We're in October 1966 tonight, and I'm going to finish out that month and vote on some uh, most and least favorites. Are we really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Because voting's boring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are recording on Tuesday night, November 3rd, 2020. And um, nothing's happening. It's it's a perfectly calm night. There is nothing to talk about. No. Um, So, yeah, when this comes out, we'll see where the world is. Uh, But Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about five comics in this episode. And... um, those are going to be Fantastic 458, Amazing Spider-Man 44, Strange Tales 152, The Avengers 35, and a little uh, British comic with an unusual uh, original Marvel story in it, which is not normal for this time. We'll talk more about that later, called Smash, issue 38. And um, I guess I should open us up. I guess for now, still you first until next week, I guess. Yeah, it's going to throw off our kilter. Totally. Okay. The dismal dregs of defeat. The most diabolically, diabolically dangerous arch villain the world has ever known now possesses the cosmic power of the Silver Surfer himself. Hopefully, though, he'll lose the election. It happened <laughs> last. <laughs> Sorry. Happened last-ish, and you'll have to take our word for it because there's no more time to explain. During a sudden thunderstorm atop the famed Baxter building, the lightning flashes suddenly to reveal the aspect of Doctor Doom. The lightning itself has taken the face of Doctor Doom, and the Fantastic Three are freaking out. This is a Jan Jan Lee Stack Kirby (laughs) powerhouse (laughs) production. Inked by, I'm just going to stick with it, inked by mm-hmm. So Jenna and Sardi Evick. Um, awesome. Something like that. Something like that. And Sue is like, oh no, that's Dr. Doom. And they're like, no, it's not really Dr. Doom. But then another lightning bolt comes down, looks even more like Dr. Doom. And like, wow, that really must be Dr. Doom. Meanwhile, Dr. Doom back in uh, Latveria's castle. Um, yeah, because ha- he says he's half a world away. He, uh, Dr. Doom is looking in some sort of visiscope where he is watching the uh, reactions at the Baxter building. He gazes upon the unconscious form of the Silver Surfer, hops on the Silver Surfer's Silver Surfer board, and flies off saying, Nothing in the world can stop me now! Um, meanwhile, the Thing is sitting in his house. It's all dark and stormy outside. He's reading ghost stories. And um, he feels a hand rests on his shoulder and he jumps through the wall. Uh, <laughs> but it's just, it's just Reed. And he's like, Hey, it's just me. That's Stretcho's voice. What happened to him? How did he become a ghost so fast? And uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> hmm. 
Reed calms Ben down. Ben has been reading way too many uh, spooky stories. And uh, he's like, what's bugging me? I feel like a Thanksgiving turkey waiting for the blamed axe to fall. Um, meanwhile, Reed and Sue are going to go out for the night. So Reed was just saying goodbye. And they said, why don't you go call Alicia? So Ben thinks, I'm going to go call Alicia, except that's when the wall of the building blasts away and Ben falls out into the open air around the building because Dr. Doom has arrived with his cosmic powered surfboard and they start fighting. It's the cosmic powered Dr. Doom against the orange rock powered Benjamin J. Grimm, the thing. It's a pretty fan friggin tastic fight. And it ends with, um, the thing landing in Central Park and Dr. Doom blasting him with his eyes, freezing him in place like a statue. So we then change scene to Johnny and Wyatt Wingfoot and Lockjaw, and they have finally um, transported out of the crazy world with all the monsters they were in before, and they're back in some regular place. I'm not sure if they're actually... Yeah, they're actually in New York City. They're, they're near the fight, and Johnny's like, hey, I'm going to see what's going on. Um, Reed and Sue are supposed to be in a, in a hideaway home, you know, getting schnookies on, but Reed is too busy playing with science. And Sue is like, what about my schnookies? And Reed says, science woman. And then Dr. Doom comes in and says, you should have given her schnookies. And, uh, he starts blasting them with his cosmic powers and, um, Reed and Sue both fight against Dr. Doom. Sue doesn't do a whole lot. Um, Dr. Doom doesn't just use energy blasts, so he like pulls magical weapons out of nowhere, he just invents them and makes them and creates them. Johnny flies through Central Park, sees this uh, petrified thing, is like, oh no, I'm gonna go tell Wyatt to go tell uh, um, the police or Alicia or something, and then I'll go try to find Reed and Sue at their cottage in Southampton. So Johnny does that, then he arrives at the cottage during the fight. Dr. Doom sees him, and now it's Fantastic Three against Dr. Doom. Johnny sets the cottage on fire. Reed and Sue escape. Wyatt Wingfoot comes back to the thing. Johnny had told him to go get a Hoosie Watsis from the Baxter building. So he has the Hoosie Watsis, and he pushed the Hoosie button, and it shoots the thing back into being alive and able to move again. Back in Southampton, Dr. Doom turns the uh, Human Torch into the Human Iceman. Um, the Thing and Wyatt hop on a sky cycle and they fly over to the fight. So now it's uh, the Fantastic Three plus one against Dr. Doom. Johnny gets his fire back and they're all up against Dr. Doom. And basically Dr. Doom says, hey, check it out. I have beaten every single one of you. You can't beat me, and I'm not even going to kill you. I'm just going to leave here, leaving you with knowledge that no matter what you do, you can't stop me. And he flies away on the surfboard. Next issue, Doomsday. You didn't give Reed credit for that, though. That was all him. Sneaky bastard. What did Reed, what did, he, what did I not give Reed he credit said, for? He said, never mind, everybody, stop fighting him. We give up. We can't beat him. It's impossible. And then Doom's like, I will spare your life because you have the proper attitude. Good oh, point. that's right. That's right. So you know that was all just just a setup for round two. Mm-hmm. We'll figure that out. So you think Reed's got something planned? He's calling off the yes. fight right now so that he can bring out a, a different whatchamacallit for next time. See, so he even says, I maneuvered him into sparing our lives. And although the power seems to be blah, 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 I swear it, Sue. I swear it. We will do something. So he's left himself an out. Kind um, of. 
whenever Ben and Dr. Doom are fighting at the beginning, it's so fantastic. And I think it's added to the fact because Ben is like talking about how you must have gotten this power from the Silver Surfer. And Mm -hmm. uh, he starts like crying out on behalf of the Silver Surfer. So I feel like there's a certain Mm -hmm. poetry in that because they've had their outs. They've had their conflicts. But now Thing is fighting on his behalf. And even on eight, he's like, but you still got to learn how to use it. And it's like, he actually literally knows that because two seconds ago he was fighting the actual Silver Surfer. Right, right, right. So it's like a callback, just a small little callback to the previous issue or two issues ago or whatever it was. Um, yeah, this was a cool story. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a pretty great chapter. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about how flexible the format of the book has become compared to other team books from other companies. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it says Fantastic uh-huh. Four on the cover, but that's like, that's a cast of characters having stories and drama, not mm-hmm. necessarily, or, or not just a team of action heroes ready to dust up a villain as a team. Like, like when the JLA or the Legion or the mm-hmm. Teen Titans, and the Teen Titans barely exist at this point, but um, when they don't feature a character on the team, it's usually just the whim of the writer, and there's not a story reason for it. But this, like, this comic moves the characters around and explains their presence or absence and uses mm-hmm. them, you know? Yeah, and to me, they've never really been, like, the dust em up team. Like, they're at their best when they're, you know, encountering drama from their own explorations or... We're trying to understand something. It's not just about like, oh, this bad guy's attacking the city. We need to stop him. That's more of an Avengers thing. Right. Uh, Fantastic Four is kind of like the interrelationship, interplay between the family slash exploring dimensions and getting into problems. Uh, 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 I think Reed should stop ignoring giant lightning flashes that look like Doctor Doom, though. That might be a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, there was like a premonition at the beginning. It's like, it's, this isn't just, you know, regular lightning. It's Dr. Doom saying, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. Did you... Which um, it must be, right? Or are we saying that's just an actual lightning piece of lightning that looks exactly like him? I don't know. No, Dr. Doom claims credit for it in the next page. Oh, it's okay. definitely yeah. him. Okay, good. Did you notice that Stan Lee used the phrase typical crazy Kirby-esque to describe Jack's art? No. On, on page 10, uh, when Johnny, White, and Lockjaw show up, He's referring back to the previous issue. They're about to be stomped on by some typical crazy Kirby-esque carnivores in another dimension. And it's like, okay, so Stan invented that phrase. I mean, typical wow. crazy Kirby-esque is just how people tend to describe mm-hmm. you know, the amazingness that Kirby does. That's awesome. Um, so they have a cottage in Southampton, or they had. It's gone now. They had a cottage in Southampton, which is like out Long Island a little ways out. Um, yeah, it was taken over by the Frightful Four or something, remember? <laughs> oh, <laughs> they had the yeah. same cottage. I think That's they just right. made it. It seemed like it was anyway. And and Sue says they were going to do a weenie roast. And I'm thinking, aren't weenie roasts usually best with the, like a party? Because otherwise you're just standing at the grill watching the meat tubes cook. And it's I, not- I took that sentence very um, sickly, so I don't know if I should comment on it. Oh, okay. You know what? I'm in favor. <laughs> Have a weenie roast in the garden? What? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. So my, my schnooky descriptions was not, we're not far off is what you're <laughs> like, saying. I just read that and was like, moving on. Don't apply my horribleness to such innocence for whatever. No, I'm for it. I'm for it. You know, they need to, they need <laughs> yeah. to have their time. Yeah. Um, let's see. I like how he takes them out, like, 
I mean, he could just attack them all at the same time, but he, I like how he kind of just takes them out individually and they all kind of have their moment uh-huh. uh, to fail. I call shenanigans, not shenanigans, but like kind of bad art maybe a little bit on how he, he frost, he turns human torch into ice mana basically. And then like all of a sudden the torch is back two pages later, but there's this in between panel of like torch, go, go that way over there until you get your full strength back. Like, but we don't see the torch or how he got away uh-huh. or how he got his flame back after being turned into an icicle. So that was kind of like, eh. Because it was pretty dramatic when he gets like turned into Iceman. That was kind of awesome. They don't all get their moment because if you notice, Sue oh, does yes. not get any licks in. She she, she gets did attacked, nothing, right? And that's her only yeah. piece of action is to get attacked. Let's see. Did she really do nothing? Like literally nothing, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, co- says, oh yeah, he put her in a cosmic cone and it rendered her helpless, and that was it. That was but, it. But hey. He took her out first and quick because she's the most powerful. So you could think of it that way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, That's probably true. not what they were doing. Probably not what they were doing. Probably not. I do like that he summons the the weapon out of nowhere because he learned that from uh, Silver Surfer last issue. That yeah, he could do that. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's a cool move because Silver Surfer's like, no, 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 you can't have that weapon. Humans mm-hmm. aren't allowed to use it. Yeah. So yeah, awesome fun. I hope that uh, obviously Reed will pull through next issue, or maybe Silver Surfer will wake up or something. We'll see. Yeah, I really liked the ending. Um, mm-hmm. The the one other really big defeat they've had in this series was from the Frightful Four. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is even bigger than that because Doom's like, you, not only are you, you beaten, sh- but you can't come after me. I was like, you know, my first, some of my earliest readings was, you know, 80s comics. I'm an 80s kid. So it was like, was Secret Wars and Doctor Doom stealing Beyonder's power. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is just kind of a, that I guess was a callback to this, but it's like, Doctor Doom trying to steal cosmic powers and stuff is totally a Doctor Doom thing. So, and this is the first time he pulled it off. So it's kind of cool, right? But yeah, want to um, go on to Spider Man? Let's go on to Spider Man. Speaking of, wow, you know what? What? Fantastic Four lose. Spoilers: Spider Man loses. Does uh, anybody else lose in this episode tonight? The Avengers win. Uh, Nick Fury, Doctor Strange. Um, I can't remember, but I guess hopefully you do because you got to do that one. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, but Spider-Man loses too. Back to back losers this episode. Where crawls the lizard? Uh, story: Smiling Stanley, illustration: Jazzy John Ramita, lettering: Swinging Sam Rosen, luggage: Honest Irving Forbush. Guess what? Petey's ever-loving Aunt May is actually going to take a vacation. But as her doting nephew walks her to the train, a frightful transformation seems to be in the offing offing just a stone's throw away so yeah i guess it was doctor's orders aunt may take a vacation she's kind of like fighting it though because like if peter's left alone he'll wither and die you know mm-hmm. uh, as, as young 20 year olds are wont to do <laughs> right so peter's like smiling and she's all sourpuss and he's trying to make her like feel comfortable it's gonna be great aunt may i have the proportional strength and speed of a spider you know uh, meanwhile, I guess Dr. Connors is picking up his wife and child from the train. I don't know where they were, but he's feeling sweaty and his hands are feeling weird and his, his missing arm is hurting, which is weird because he shouldn't have a hurting missing arm. And then he starts thinking, I wonder, I've been feeling weird ever since I helped Spider-Man create a potion to defeat the rhino. I wonder if the potion in that has some sort of blah 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 reaction blah blah to the potion that I originally used to blah 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 to turn into the lizard and just as he's wondering that he turns into the lizard <gasps> and he sees his wife and son and they kind of see him 
But he goes, I can't let them see me like this. And he runs through the crowd and he runs into the train tunnel and he turns on the lizard and he screams, the lizard lives again. Um, meanwhile, Peter goes, hey, isn't that Mrs. Connors and Connors Jr.? Well, they don't know Peter Parker, but they know Spider-Man. So he quickly turns to Spider-Man and Superman's his way down there. And he's like, hey, you guys look worried. Are you okay? It's like, I thought I, or she's like, oh, go, go play over there, Timmy. And then she starts crying. She's like, I thought I saw, uh, you know, Doc Connors. And oh my God, I, something's wrong with him, I think. And she, I don't know where he is. He should be here. I think he ran down that tunnel. And Spider-Man's like, okay, I'll go check it out. He runs down the tunnel. And while he's going down the tunnel, he has a little flashback of how they first met and stuff. Um, he finds a big old hole in the tunnel where some giant monster must have smashed through it. So he's like, well, that's probably the lizard. So that sucks. Goes back and tells them, I'll check in later, guys, but doesn't really tell them anything because he doesn't want to worry them. They take a taxi home. Um, he goes to Daily Bugle. He wishes Betty congratulations on her, uh, 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 what is it, engagement to, to Ned Leeds. Mm-hmm. He gets into a photography fight kind of with J. Jonah Jameson about whether he would be interested in lizard pictures. Foswell has decided that Peter is interesting and that he wants to know how Peter gets all these pictures. So maybe he should turn into Patch, you know, Wolverine and like check him out. Uh, Meanwhile, Peter goes to the Silver Spoon. I don't know if that's going to be a common thing, but he goes to the Silver Spoon, gives us a name and it's like a diner and, uh, uh, um, Flash is there, and and those other guys, Ned Leeds Jr. is there. No, not Ned Leeds. Harry, uh, Harry Osborne. Harry and Osborne, thank Gwen. you. And, and Gwen. Yes, there's too many names. I can't think of all this stuff. So he starts, like, futzing around with them. You know, he they bust each other, he and Flash, and talk about, like, he's going to be drafted and stuff. Then Mary Jane shows up, and everybody's like, whoa, Mary Jane. And then all the guys are, like, impressed that Mary Jane likes Peter, and uh, Gwen is none too happy that Mary Jane likes Peter. And kind of scowls and stuff, and they they poke fun at her after uh, Peter and Mary Jane leave. Meanwhile, the lizard's like, you know what? I'm going to get Spider-Man off my back by pretending to be Spider-Man. So I'm going to climb up the, climb up the side of this building. And I'm going to rob some diamonds, and only Spider-Man can do that. Ha ha! And guess what? Daily Bugle reports only Spider-Man can do that. So it worked. And and uh, Peter's like, dang it! And he calls Mrs. Connors. He's like, hey, did that guy ever come home? Nope. Okay, that must be the lizard then. So he goes out at night looking for the lizard. He finds the lizard. He sets up his camera. They get into a nice, fun fight that goes from the street to the sewer to all the way up atop of a building. At which point, the lizard manages to knock Spidey off it. Uh, he barely uh, uh, stops himself from falling with like two webs, one on each side of a building, and he's kind of held there when Spider-Man or when the lizard attacks again and breaks the webbing, and Spider-Man falls, almost dies, but manages to create one of those dumb things I hate, where like it's like a web cushion balloon thing. But he lands <laughs> on his he lands on his shoulder and dislocates it. Luckily, there's a doctor there in the crowd who like puts him in a splint and stuff. But now Spider-Man has like a splint, which is really cool. And he goes swinging around. He goes to report to uh, Mrs. Connors that uh, he's going to find the lizard. Don't you worry. I promise, even though it looks bad because I'm beat up. And then he goes back home. He manages to catch a call from Aunt May. He says, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. She's like, well, you sound like you're in a lot of pain. He's like, no, no, everything's good. And then Mary Jane calls. She's like, hey, Tiger, you want to go on a date? And he's like, I'd love to, but in his mind, he thinks, I can't because now I can't let anybody see Peter Parker 
have a same, the same sling on the same arm as everybody saw Spider-Man have. So now I have to be a shut-in, COVID style, for the next, you know, two days or whatever. So she hangs up. She doesn't appear to be mad, but he always takes it that she's mad. And so there's a capsad panel, and it's all up in the air. We got to fix the lizard problem. We got to, you know, get back with Mary Jane, and we got Aunt May who needs to come home safe. The end. To be continued. To be continued. I forgot this is a two-parter. Yeah, kind of a cool ending. Um, so yeah, I was reading this to Keenan. I just kind of wrote down some random thoughts as I was going through. I was I was really, really surprised that Aunt May is going on this vacation all by herself. Mm-hmm. That seems nuts. She should be bringing Anna Watson or something. Like right, or going to meet somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, where is she going? Does it say? I kind of <laughs> forgot. We don't even know where she's going. Does Peter know okay. where she's going? She's just going to lay around, I guess, and be cool. My wife travels so much for her job that I stopped keeping track of where she was going. Because mm-hmm. it was just, I mean, mo- half a dozen flights a year. It's just like, oh, wow, I, yeah. I, I don't know where she is right now. She's just gone again. Just write it down. Yeah. Um, I mean, she sends me her ticket confirmations and everything. So I, I have the info if I need it. Mm-hmm. But I don't keep it in my head very easily. And, and I don't know if Peter knows where Aunt May has gone. I just kept trying to visualize where she would go that would help her relax because I just don't see like Aunt May hanging out in Bermuda or something like that. Right. I don't know. Like, would that really make her relax? Bikini bathing? Know. Yeah, I don't think she's into that. So where does a elderly woman who probably doesn't want to wear a swimsuit go to relax exactly? The Hamptons or something? I don't know. I don't know. That's too expensive for them. So... um what else? What else? What else? Yeah, she's like worried this whole issue. And I totally forgot that Peter used all his money to like pay for this trip too. So that's like a problem for the whole issue. It's like he needs money. But what else is new in that score? But Right. Um, I knew it. I mean, it did say next issue, the lizard. But even when he was like last issue helping with the rhino and he kept volunteering to offer his lizard power, it's like obviously something's going on with this guy that he thinks that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And it's because the lizard was eking his way back. Into his brain. And is this like first like John Romita lizard? It is, right? Yeah. And I, I feel like I feel like Romita has probably been reading older Spider-Mans from the uh-huh. strange to, uh, from the Marvel Tales reprints. Mm-hmm. And the reprint of the lizard story is timed just so that he could have read that, gotten an idea of how to bring the lizard back, and mm-hmm. then done the story, and that would have been the story. Like it's it's like you know, several mm-hmm. several months in the bat in the past, where it could have easily timed to be that inspiration. So I, I kind of like that idea actually that he yeah. you know, would be reading Ditko stuff and like, oh, let's do this guy again. And he's like, you know, streamlining it and making it a little more of an epic lizard story because the first one's kind of like, oh, he has to go to Florida and fight crocodiles and stuff. Like this one's more like about his family and you know, Spider Man trying to do right by them and also stop this thing that he can't stop. Uh, it is exciting. It's a cool story. There's but several the li- comments about Peter's hair throughout this. Like Peter get a haircut and oh. uh, MJ is like, you look at your hair. So I was like, okay, what is up with Peter's hair? And I looked, if you look carefully at mm-hmm. his hair, it's always a little bit scruffy. There's just like some wisps that are free from his usual, like Peter in helmet. The, in this issue. Oh yeah. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, is that, suggesting his hair is starting to get longer like he's at the beginning of long hair for peter i don't know maybe did was stan like poking fun at ramita for giving him strips of hair or something 
Maybe. Or just liked it. Liked it or didn't like it. Either way, we'll never know. But yeah, maybe he just noticed the change and started the having people comment on it. Yeah. That's good, though, because, you know, the whole like early 60s crew cut, it's nice to, for him to be lightening it up a little bit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Barely, uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> we went from rent for a year uh-huh. selling photos to 60 bucks. Yeah. I guess that first Spider Man was pretty awesome. And ever since then, he's flooded the market or something. Yeah, and I was reading. Um, I was reading. Uh, what is it? The second Superman Spider Man story, uh-huh. where Peter goes and works in Metropolis for the Daily Planet for a little while, and um, Perry White's like, "I don't, I don't kibitz on you know freelance work. I'll give you whatever it was, five hundred dollars or three hundred, whatever the dollars were." Mm-hmm. And Peter's like, "That was three times what J.J. Jameson <laughs> would have paid." <laughs> so that begs the question: Why doesn't he go somewhere else? Right. I think they may have addressed that before, or they will someday, and I just don't remember what the answer was. But yeah, I do know he does go try the Daily Globe, and it does not go well. So now I gotta say, it is kind of cool on Jameson's part that he has never actually welched on this agreement that he try and figure out where Peter gets these pictures from. Mm-hmm. And that's part like, of it is that the uh, the guy in charge of the Daily Globe won't. Oh, let him that's go. what it was. That's what it was. This has already happened in our. On our show, he did go to the Globe, and the guy's like, I need to know where you got these or something. Oh, have we seen that scene? I thought we did, yeah, because I've read that. Okay. I believe that was the, same, that was that was the same. Wasn't that the same time that he was going around trying to like sell his web fluid and like, what would we do with this? I don't know. I can't remember what issue that was, but I'll look it up. Anyway, so I think that's cool, but I also think it's cool that, hey, only Jonah has agreed to that. So it's interesting that someone else in the office is finally thinking, how does Parker? Get all these freaking pictures. So that's going to stab him later. There is a, uh, a phone booth comment on page six. So I have to do my obligatory. Um, the phone booth thing with Superman is much, much, much bigger in pop culture mm-hmm. in, than it was, ever was in the actual comics. Like mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Clark Kent changing in a storeroom in the comics never caught on. He always changes in a phone booth. And that just didn't happen in the comics like so maybe where did once that first happen because it couldn't be the movie because they made fun of it there too yeah um it does happen in one or two of those 40s theater cartoons ah uh, maybe that's it and so those must have just worked their way into the consciousness like really really big deal because it just i mean comics don't don't do it i said superman in my summary because i really do feel like page six felt very more Superman to me than Spider-Man's ever been before. And I don't know if that's going to be the new Ramita thing, but because he just kind of swoops in. Like and he talks just, to the, yeah. He's like, well, they don't know me as Peter as puny Peter Parker, but as Spider-Man. And like, he just shows up like right in the middle of train grand central station, like, and just starts talking like he's a person and everybody's just like, Oh, it's Spider-Man. Cool. Can I have your autograph? Yeah. Well, one of the things is that like Spider-Man doesn't usually have people who are happy to see him out in public. Well, that's true. That's true also. <laughs> but I don't, I don't feel like he's ever just like purposely jumped down right in the middle of everything. And cause I feel like people would react weird to that or something. Yeah. But maybe now he's just becoming more superhero-y, which is cool. I liked it. Um, let's see. The police were helping Peter or Spider-Man in a recent issue. Now a doctor is helping it's mm-hmm. like Ramita is trying to encourage people's support for Spidey. Mm-hmm. Which I makes think they even mentioned the cop in, in somewhere in here. But yeah, I think so too. Yeah. The, the, the lizard really wants to get all the reptiles. 
Yes, he does. And then he wants to go get the ones from Florida. And I'm like, Florida is far, Liz. <laughs> like, yeah, but they do have a lot of reptiles. If you want our lep- reptile armor, you got to hit Florida. Yeah. Yeah, we do have a lot of snakes. And crocs or alligators. I don't know which is which, but both maybe. Um, okay, there's a thing that Keenan said on page uh, page 14. It's panel four. Um, let's see. No, I don't see it on here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I managed to turn him back to his normal self once before. I've got to find a way to do it again. And I've got to do it without harming him because mm-hmm. whatever happens to the lizard will also happen to Dr. Connors. Mm-hmm. And Keenan's like, well, then just rip off his right arm. That is amazing that no one has ever thought about that before. Because he's fine. <laughs> he won't mind that at all. <laughs> oh, shoot. I got the arm wrong. It was the right okay. one, wasn't it? Hold your fingers out there and make sure you get the one that says L and not do that one. Yeah. Do the other one. Um, so Connors is essentially like Spider-Man's Two-Face, kind of. I like that. Yeah, a bit. Like... Like they were friends, or they are friends in between problems. Yeah, it plays differently because it doesn't have the chronolo- the the chronological distinction. Yeah, true. You can go back and forth, but it's it's very much like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. I had never thought about that before. Um, well, Spider Man is essentially Batman. We all know that. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, okay. <laughs> kind of. Sometimes I think about that. I've always thought. You know, I thought I said before. I thought the Green Goblin seemed very Golden Age joker to me and of course batman and spider-man both have the whole like you know tragic origin thing uh but yeah otherwise they're kind of a lot different spider-man tells mrs osborne you know we, we, we've just got to stop the lizard I, I mean he hasn't committed any crimes yet and i'm like what about the jewelry store yeah what about the jewelry store that did seem a little bonkers anyway but that's fine it's a weird line he's running on a rampage violently attacking and threatening people but you know, he can't get prosecuted because he hasn't actually committed a crime yet. So if we can just get him to change back, we'll be good. Well, he's like, if, if, I, if I rob it and they accuse Spider-Man, he'll be too busy dodging the law to go after me. But then he like literally just goes after him. And it's mm-hmm. fine. So that was kind of weird. And we end with Peter having to do happy dances for Aunt May because he always has to do happy dances for Aunt May. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting... This is like the second time he's told Mary Jane I can't make it. She's like, you're lost, see you around, and clicks. Now, it doesn't seem like she's, like, livid or anything. Um, but he, he always takes it like, oh, man, she hates me now. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where... Insecurity. Yeah, well, if your friends invite you to do a thing, and you say, I can't go. Uh-huh. And then your friends invite you to do a thing, and you say you can't go. Your friends yeah. might not invite you to do the next thing. That's true. So she and may not be mad at him, or she might be like, you know, annoyed, but putting a good face up. But he is like wearing out his welcome with her, maybe. That was the other thing I was wondering if, like, is she just playing it off, but really it upsets her more than she's letting on? Yeah, we wouldn't we would actually get very much from her perspective for a long time. It's mostly just Peter looking in. Yeah, he has to go through a whole different girlfriend first before we get around to her. Right? Mm-hmm. Which oh. I am kind of sad about because i'm really enjoying mary jane and i'm not enjoying gwen yet i assume mm-hmm. i will enjoy gwen eventually but it's like i kind of want him to just start dating mary jane but i know that's not gonna happen we'll have to see we'll have to see <laughs> shall we go into the dimension of death yeah okay only not yet we got to do um 
Nick Fury, yeah, Agent yeah. of Shield first. Yeah. Strange Tales 152, The Power of Shield. Okay. Um, Nick Fury does our recap. Shield missiles zeroing out on my ship. I'm a goner if I don't think it's something fast. Gotta roll the ship up, up, upside down, and wiggle my wings. If they're watching me through a long distance scanner, they'll recognize the International Shield Distress Signal. The International Shield Distress Signal is do a barrel roll. Okay, Star Fox. <laughs> and if they ain't watching, I'm done for. But why would they launch a missile attack on one lone jet? Unless, of course, that's it. I'm the world's prize chump. That's why I was able to escape Hydra so easy. They wanted me to. The overkill horn must be stashed right here in their own plane. It was a blasted trap, and I fell right into it like a lunk-headed idiot. Even if you were callous enough to have missed our previous ish, the copy above should pretty well fill you in. But if you're still confused, don't worry, we are too. So mm -hmm. come along, Frantic One. Let's unravel this thing together, which is scripted by Smiling Stan Lee, layouts Jolly Jack Kirby, artwork Jaunty Jim Steranko, lettering Adorable Artie Simic, all of whom agree on this one deathless credo. Don't yield. Back shield. Um, Captain America takes that literally and puts the shield on his back. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's a bunch of really cool-looking um, vehicles flying through the upper atmosphere, and um, Nick Fury's in one of them, and he's got the overhill over overhill horn, overkill horn <laughs> in his. Either way, yeah, and it's emitting <laughs> its, um, you know, what's the word? Not stereotypical, but like signatures. It's emitting its signature sound waves, and so over at S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, uh, they're all aware, and Gabe Jones is there, and Jasper Sitwell is there, and they can see the s signals on the, um, on the on the screen, and Gabe's like, hey, magnify on that hydroplane, it's signaling us, it's him, it's Nick Fury, and they're like, yeah, but, but he has the overkill horn on his plane, and Jasper Sitwell says, I have my orders from Nick Fury. Anyone would lay down his life for him, but the lives of millions are hanging in the balance. There's only one decision I can make. By the authority vested in me as Deputy Director of S.H.I.E.L.D., under authorization by Special Act of Congress, my command is launch the Stratomine, which is, of course, some sort of attack on the plane that Fury is flying. Meanwhile, back in the dead city of Carnopolis, a Hydra agent arrives to tell him, uh, oh, the lead Hydra that, um, um, I don't know why he's there. Oh, I've got the Supreme <laughs> Hydra's air car as ordered. And down there, Don Caballero's like, okay, this t Don Caballero identity is done. Now I'm going to become Emir Ali Bey. And so he just like takes off his clothes right there in front of all the Hydras. They're like, whoa. Um, but, no one has seen Don Caballero's real face. Don Caballero is a disguise. He's turning into Amir Ali Bey, which is another disguise. So just as Nick Fury suggested last issue, the only reason he doesn't run around without a hood on is because his face is still covered. So we don't know who Supreme Hydra is, but he does do the Supreme Hydra salute over his uh, Hydra people. And they're like, we're going to go take over mankind now. And they're like, all right, yay, Cobra. Um, meanwhile, Nick Fury on the overkill horn is getting closer to the fateful incident of detonation. And um, he jumps out of the plane just as the overkill horn is like rearing up and ready to blast. 
The Stratomine launches at the plane. Uh, there's a shield submarine there to pick him up. Carnopolis is raising weapons to shoot at, um, oh, the over, oh, this is what it was. I'm so sorry. The plane with the overkill horn on it turned back around and went back to, um, Carnopolis. So Carnopolis is trying to shoot at it and destroy it. The Stratomine launched by shield is also targeted on the plane. And so all of the explosions happen at Hydra headquarters in Carnopolis all together at the same time. Now, the Supreme Hydra has just left. So he's chill. He's fine. But this Hydra outpost has has been destroyed. Um, back in the hospital, Dum Dum Dugan is laying down because he got injured last issue. Gabe Jones and Jasper Sitwell come and say hi to him. Um, Dugan's like, oh no, Nick didn't have a chance. I don't want to hear anything. He's dead. My good buddy Nick uh, Nick Fury from you know yelling at me all those years ago back in back in World War II and and in Korea and maybe Vietnam, but we haven't talked about that yet. Um, what else? Nick Fury, uh, the submarine that picked him up, takes him to another shield, another Hydra outpost, where they are rescuing the ex-Supreme Hydra leader's daughter, whose name is, I think, Laura? Laura Brown, maybe? Anyway, so they're rescuing... I think it's Hostage. The ho- yeah, she's a hostage right now. They're rescuing her, but she was No, the- I, th- I think that's her name, Hostage. Oh, her name is Hostage. It's kind of like the hell, uh, the nurse in um, Animaniacs is named Hello Nurse. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so um, Nick Fury rescues Miss Hostage, mm-hmm. uh, fights off some Hydras, and gets away. Sends a, a TV signal to Jasper Sitwell. Turns out all of this was all planned ahead of time, and Jasper Sitwell was just doing exactly what he was supposed to do. And uh, he gets lots of Sitwell gets lots of congratulations and laudations from the uh, from the congressman and other representatives that are supporting Shield, and he tries to look cool and act like Nick Fury and light up a cigar, but he bursts into a huge coughing fit. He's like, "Gentlemen, I just realized there's only one Nick Fury." And Gabe Jones says, "We could have told you that." Dugan says, "A long time ago." Next issue, hiding place. <sighs> Blah. 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 I mean, it was, it was okay. It's like... It was yeah. a little pedestrian, and the Steranko art really varied from awesome to... I know. Annoying. It's, it's pretty horrible, right? Yeah, there are places where it looks great. There are places where it really, really doesn't. Rescuing uh, Hostage are a couple of pages where it really doesn't look good. I thought most of it didn't. Now, you could also blame... the. It's just not a good symbiosis between Jack Kirby and Jim Steranko, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or it's early days for him and he hasn't found his style yet. But like page three just looks like amateur hour to me. I don't know. Well, then there's stuff like page 10 where the bottom panel looks like it was mostly drawn by Kirby. Yeah, the parts I like seem to be very Kirby. Like page eight where they're picking up Dugan and putting him back in bed. That looks so Kirby to me. And it's yeah. like hilarious. It's great. But then, like, all the faces and stuff are just like, eek. I can see Steranko in them, so I know he's coming. Yeah. But, like, he's just not there yet or something. He's not there yet. And most, you're right, the stuff that looks more solid and it is definitely more Kirby. Mm-hmm. So th- I feel like this is the second story in a row where they undermine what they set up. So, like, two issues ago, we had this whole Don Caballero thing that really excited me. Like mm-hmm. this, this Bond villain who had infiltrated society's rich and fabulous. And it's like, nah, I'm going to get rid of that. And then the end of that issue was, and 
Fury doesn't even know that he's writing the very thing that he's trying to find, and he's going to take it back to S.H.I.E.L.D. and destroy them all. And then by the first page, Fury figures that out, and it's over. And Don Caballero's gone. He's now dressed up as Amir <laughs> Ali Bay. That too. that too. It's like, let's just do a different guy, because the first guy never resonated or mattered to any of us. Look at, there's like a, you see in the back, there's like a hanger. Apparently he can just pick any of those characters and wear them. Yeah, weird. yeah. <laughs> and it looks kind of weird. I guess gray coloring is to African-American characters what orange coloring <laughs> is to Middle Eastern South Asian characters. It's really weird. Yeah, it's not good. And also, once he actually puts on the outfit, he loses the orange. So are they saying, like, because look at Don Caballero is taken off, and the face is there, and it just looks like, like, they're saying that suit was just permanently attached to that body, and just, like, the hanger things in the back, like, once you wear that military outfit, it looks, you know what it reminds me of? You know how, like, the skin... On those aliens in Doctor Who, she's. I'm just going to pull this out of my butt, but the ninth Doctor. Yeah, 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 the Slovene. Yeah, the Slovene, and they just have a zipper, and they put on the whole outfit, clothes and all. So and those fake humans never change their clothes because it's all I, one suit? I guess. Like the general on that rack, if you put that on, it comes with the hat and the suit and everything. Right, right. It's, it's really weird. Oh, um, uh, yeah. But there are some things about Starenko that like are are, like, iconic is too strong a word, but... Typically, Stranko, and that is that um, Nick Fury's head gets mm-hmm. elongated, mm-hmm. and he's already doing that. And in fact, yeah. I think you you can use that to just tell between the mm-hmm. panels that are more Kirby and the panels that are more Stranko is how mm-hmm. square is Kirby's head is is Nick Fury's head. Yeah, and he also draws eyes differently than Kirby does. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's like more emotion, maybe. Um, wasn't Jasper Sitwell a recent graduate when he was introduced like five issues ago? Yeah. Or maybe not even a graduate because the date he gave was in the future. So between that and the fact that they all make fun of him for being a greenhorn and stuff, why is he continually put in charge of everything all the time? I guess ask Nick. I guess. Like this, maybe Nick just assumes that he's going to go by the book and by the letter and do everything he actually tells him to do versus you know, Gabe and Dum Dum who might think for themselves or something. Right. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of dead bodies in this <laughs> issue. Yeah. Like Carnopolis is an entire city. Well, it's not a city full of people, but it is a city with a big headquarters underneath it. It's all dead now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I feel like this business with the daughter of the former Hydra is so tacked on and like, and like missed opportunity drama, you know, like, First of all, whatever his name is, I guess we can't call him Don Caballero anymore. What do we call him now? We call Supreme him Supreme Hydra. I guess uh, his just name is Supre- Amir Ali Bay now. Okay, Amir Ali Bay is like they're in the final stages of destroying all of Shield, and he's like, "Okay, you guys keep doing that. I'm going to go torture this daughter that I could torture anytime, but I'm going to do it right now." Which is a good thing because if he didn't, then I guess he'd be dead. But then it's like, how does Nick even know that she was kidnapped and? I just feel like we kind of cared about her before, so maybe it would have been cool to see what she was up to, see her actual kidnapping, have a couple of stories of her like trying to escape or be in trouble or something. Like it's just so like we need five more pages. Let's do a kidnapping real fast. Yeah, it does feel tacked on to the end because page eight feels like a kind of natural emotional ending. I mean, mm-hmm. 
you do need to have one more page for the wrap up, but you could have gone from page eight to page 12 without the three pages of hostage. They basically made her mean nothing. And she was something before kind of, she was the girl that was going to rebel against her dad and save Nick Fury. How many times now has Dugan mourned the death of Nick Fury? (laughs) Recently a lot, like last issue, two issues, this storyline, I guess. It's at least the second. I want to say it's the third. Like it seems to happen a lot. Yeah. One was when he was testing the, whatever it's called in the tunnel. The other one was when it was a life model decoy being exploded. Right. And then this today, this time. So So, that's basically Dum Dum's like new character as he just hangs around making stupid decisions and crying when he thinks Nick is dead. My audio setup has kind of fallen apart on me. So I'm kind of trying to figure that out discreetly as we talk. Mm. Um, But I probably should get my next page loaded up for strange tales number. No, not not number, but the second story of strange tales. Yes. Um, Yeah. I would love to see the, I would love to see the whole shield thing go in a more, I don't know, character driven direction. Mm hmm. I'd love to see, like, have more attachment to what's going on. Well, though, I mean, I think it's just these split stories don't lend as well to that, or they think it doesn't. I think it does because they're doing fine with Iron Man, for instance. But yeah, yeah, Iron Man is doing well. But uh, yeah, they just don't seem to do that with these shorter stories, I guess. All right. Well, into the dimension of death. Hearken to these words, O seeker of the truth, in the grip of a power more mystifying than any he has ever known. Dr. Strange finds himself hurtling through the endless wastes of nowhere on a fateful journey to the dark dimension beyond the furthest reach of mortal comprehension. Thus is it written, truly hath Stan Lee authored yon awesome epic. Verily hath Bill Everett such scenes depicted, and finally didst Artie Simic the lettering inscribe. So say we all. I think it just sounds better if you put the verb after the object. So but, say yeah. we all. No, the the lettering inscribed. Such scenes oh. depicted. Oh, yeah. Anyways, no big deal. Um, Doctor Strange is floating through space, but not like outer space between like out actual planets, but like dimensional space between weird dimensional planets. Um, he is the prisoner of a spell triggered by his urge to rescue the lovely Clea because Umar had like tricked him into wanting to uh, rescue Clea. And then he, she used that desire to trap him. So he's floating through and some um, weird demons kind of show up out of nowhere and start attacking him. And um, he starts fighting back. We chain. Um, he fights them off and walks down a path to some sort of like portal uh, the gateway to another world. His amulet's gleam cuts the haze and saves him. Pl- oh, because the door is not really a door. It's just a trap. If he were to have kept on walking, he would have walked off the end of the walkway. He's like, oh, so glad I didn't do that. Um, then we switch to Umar, who's watching him do stuff in this weird dimensional world. And she sends more one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people demons. <laughs> After Doctor Strange and they they grab Doctor Strange and they bring him to Umar and she sends them off into a, a a bowl of Cheerios and she says, "Hey, I'm Umar. My brother was Dormammu, but I am uh, so much more awesome than he. I was his helpless sister, but now because I opposed no, he opposed. 
Yes, she opposed his evil deed, so he imprisoned her, but now she wants to avenge the death of her brother. No, also, she Clea- wants to make amends. Make amends? She's lying, but that's what she tells him. Oh, that's right. She's lying through her teeth. Yeah. She wants to make amends for everything Dormammu had wrought. Uh, Clea has been captured by the Mindless Ones, and um, with her brother's defeat, they're free to plunder once again, so she... Pretends to want Doctor Strange's help, but he's not deceived. He suspects that she's lying. He uses the all-seeing eye of Agamotto, and so she traps him in some some uh, hula hoops <laughs> and um, sends him back into the dark dimension. There's no turning back. Umar is aware that I would risk all for Clea. Therefore, so long as the sister of Dormammu lives, the innocent Clea is in deadly jeopardy. Um... And yeah, he goes to the dark dimension where the mindless ones are having a whole brouhaha, shooting each other with their mindless Cyclops blasts. He doesn't know where Clea is, but um, it's definitely dangerous here. So next issue, he's going to be alone against the mindless ones. Yeah, that was like the only element of the story I like. So that's why I ruined your synopsis a little bit, just because like I like that he she tried to lie to him and mm-hmm. use like use like not just attack him with magic. I almost wish. Or I definitely wish that he fell for it longer than two panels, you know? Like, it might have been interesting if he thought she was a good guy for the next three issues or something. But It's certainly given something for them to, like, to like play with. Uh-huh. But no, now he's just going to go rescue Clea and fight. Yeah, he's just like, nah, husband. she's lying. It's fine. No big deal. No drama there. So did we ask ourselves why the Mindless Ones haven't already invaded Earth after Dormammu died? Or did we not think about it? Uh, I think Clea had gone to, like help stop them. I think that's one of the reasons why she's staying behind. Okay. And they are, they're fighting each other in this last panel. And I don't remember them being like that before. It was more like fighting the barrier or something, but maybe, so maybe maybe someone, there's nothing else to do. Someone tricked them into fighting each other instead of invading earth. Maybe they are mindless after all. They are mindless. How many times did Dr. Strange comment upon sensing a female? Quite a few times. He must have a few times in this. He's like, Oh no, it's a female. A female. It's like like he's never met women before, or maybe this is the fifth time that she's done it. We've we've seen him meet women, but so far they've all been bad, except for Clea, I think. Clea, I think. So maybe he just has a thing. But then most of the males he meets are bad too. So and he never since I sense a male. Would that be weird if he said that? It might be. (laughs) I think it's make you double take too. (laughs) It is. It is. But for some reason we accept that. Like, oh, it's a female. I sense a female. How what is that? How does that even work? What is he like? Sensor ovaries or something? I don't know if, if they, weird. yeah, yeah, it's it, weird. very weird, very quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I'm kind of whatever. It's per usual. It's weird. With this. Where it's, is this? Where is this story going to go? Where is the know. characters going to go? I guess my only hope is that he and Clea have some cool interaction or something next issue. Mm-hmm. But if she just ends up being like a hostage that he rescues and then back to our separate corners, that's going to be disappointing. Well, the thing is that these are 10 pages filled with a whole bunch of talking, but nothing actually happens. Like, he's in space, he gets captured by Umar, they mm-hmm. talk, and he goes back into space. Yeah. And there's a bunch of ado about that. And also, I kind of felt like like a lot of the storytelling in the beginning with the demons didn't make a whole lot of sense. The demons appear out of nowhere attacking him. Right. And he fends them off. And then later she's like, oh... I think I'll send some demons after him. And they're the same ones. Yeah. Yeah. That so was kind of confusing. Because it's like, were the first ones her doing? They weren't. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like they just don't know. I just I can we just have more days where he just like goes to Starbucks or something. That was like the funnest issue we've had in a long time. <laughs> the Denny O'Neill Doctor Strange issues were the best issues. Yep. Seriously, I could do a 10-part storyline where he is just at Starbucks. I would read that. That would be cool. Well, instead, you should <laughs> recap the Avengers so I can update my um, election counts. <laughs> I have been watching that, too, this whole time. Like Every time the numbers jump, the other side jumps, too, and it's like, okay, good. Kind of. Kind of. But, yeah, I know where I'm not moving. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. The light that failed. Don't dare miss the big change in Goliath. Big? Goliath? Ah. Uh-huh. Um, instant synopsis department. The wonderful wasp has been captured by the somewhat lovesick, somewhat lovesick living laser. The laser himself has zoomed off to lay siege to the world's greatest city. Captain America and Hawkeye are surrounded by deadly laser bolts. Withdraw closer with each passing second. And we haven't even gotten to the exciting part yet. Edited ecstatically by Stan Lee. Scripted surprisingly by Roy Thomas. Drawn dynamically by Don Heck. Lettered legibly by Sam Rosen. So yeah, Cap and Hawkeye are surrounded by a laser cage. Cap's like, this is only 1966. My shield is not yet indestructible. But maybe, maybe that coating I put on there, if I just push it out and... You know, block some of the laser. Hawkeye can get out. But no, it disintegrates his shield like paper mache. Put a pin in that, folks. Um, But luckily, Goliath has been tracking the wasp with his cool belt. Instead of finding the wasp, though, because she just gets taken by the living laser right before Goliath shows up. But he sees Cap and Hawkeye in trouble, and he turns off the doohickey with the what's a stick. Um... Then they don't know where he went, and Goliath gets all kind of pissy, but they're like, calm down, man, we'll find her. Where he went, though, was to meet with these two dudes who want Living Laser to help them overthrow the government of Costa Verde. Costa Verde. Green Coast. Uh, Green Coast. And only his weapon can do it. It's amazing. But they also have this plot on the side, which never really goes anywhere, kind of that if Living Laser does manage to do this, they will then take over Living Laser and his technology. So really, they are going to take over Costa Verde. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Anyway, he does this. He takes it over. Um, I guess like two years pass or something because Cap and Hawkeye and Goliath finally get a message like, hey, this place called Costa Verde got taken over by some dude with the laser. So they're like, that's where the wasp is. Let's go. Oh, and by the way, at some point, Goliath disappeared during those two years and came back. And they're like, where'd you go? He's like, that's none of your business. So put a pin in that. Anyway, they have this new cool arrow car and it flies, but it also is submersible. And they attack by sea and they go up this mountain and they get pushed back. And then they go up the mountain again and then they get pushed back again. This happens like I think at least three times or something. It's really weird. Uh, Meanwhile, yeah, they finally make it up the mountain and like – Hawkeye and Cap get knocked out, but Goliath separates and he finds the wasp, but the living laser shoots him and ties him up and leaves him be. And so now they're all captured, but it turns out, you know where Goliath went that one time where they asked him where he went? He went to bathe himself in experimental molecular space transformer rays. And guess what? It allows him to change size again. So now instead of being Goliath, he is uh, Ant-Ith, I guess. 
So, yeah, he turns to Antith. He turns into David. Turns into David. There you go. I like that. He turns into David, and he rescues Wasp, and uh, Living Laser comes back, and he's like, oh, I see you both. But also, while he was rescuing Wasp, he, like, messed around with Living Laser's machinery, and he has this big, giant laser gun, and he clicks on it to go attack, um, and it backfires on him, because little did he know Goliath was messing around with it. And so he dies. Well, or goes unconscious or something. And all the rebels run. And Cap and Hawkeye show up and they're like, to the new rebels, these other rebels in brown uniforms, I guess, that don't look a stereotype, but are still a stereotype. And they're like, hey, we don't want to interfere with your uh, natural country private matters. So we're just going to take Living Laser and get out of here, okay? And they're like, that's cool with us, but, you know, we kind of like Living Laser because he got rid of one dictator and then you guys take him so he's not our other dictator. So now we're free. Yay. And the Avengers are like, yay, good job. And Wasp is, like, mad that Goliath risked his life, but is also kind of happy that he can turn to normal size now. And then she meets up with her friend, uh, Lucy Barton, that we'll never see again, and talks about how weird and obsessive the living laser was. And Bill – what's his name? Bill something. Bill Foster. I was trying to say Bill Paxton, but that was not right. Bill Foster and Goliath are happy that they solved his problem in the little – in their little base that they have. We see an actual picture, a clearer picture of their base for the first time. So it's not Avengers Mansion. They have this weird thing in the woods that they hang out in. Um, Hawkeye is uh, is getting yelled at by Black Widow because he didn't take her along. And why didn't he? Yeah, why didn't he? That would have been awesome. And then Cap is Cap sad all by himself, thinking about how like he has nothing else going on for him. No life except the Avengers and enemies. And just as he's thinking that, someone shouts, Captain America, I have reached you at last. And he whips around and he says, you. Next issue, the quest. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Um, I don't know who that is at the end. I don't know either. And I decided not to to look. Yeah, I didn't look either. I want to guess that it's Nick Fury. Well, I have reached you at last doesn't sound very Nick Fury-ish. That's true. Is it Bucky? Captain America, I have reached you at last. No, no. it's not Batroc. Can't be because he was just in. One of that's these. true. That's true. I don't know. I don't know who it could be. That's actually. I guess it could be anybody. Maybe it's Agent Thirteen. Maybe it's her sister. Or her sister. Peggy Carter's finally found her her old boyfriend. Could be. So yeah, so, this issue. Wow, I don't know. Kind of overly complicated and weird, right? Or which leads us into Roy Thomas has taken over the Avengers. Yeah, that's true. So right now he is scripting this book, the X-Men, Sergeant Fury, and occasionally one or two other, you know, issues of, of random books. Um, he won't be on Sergeant Fury much longer, but he is on Avengers and X-Men for a while. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be writing this book as it moves into what some might consider its first truly high point, or at least mm-hmm. the highest point that it's had so far. Mm-hmm. So... Um, now, I've said before, I'll say it again. I think early Roy Thomas Avengers struggles. Uh, we've seen that early Roy Thomas X-Men struggles badly. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Avengers struggles as much or as long. But um, Not so far it hasn't. Yeah. Like, like I, I didn't love this story, and it felt a little convoluted and, and padded, but like it didn't offend me like X-Men stories do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Although, and maybe um, it could also just be because I like the characters more and I'm being biased. I don't know. But well, I mean, and that's something to be said is like, you know, you, you enjoy what you enjoy. 
Yeah. Um, but speaking of you liking characters, so mm. Captain America's shield, yo. <laughs> they don't explain it at all, do they? Mm-mm. But he gets it back, right? I'm looking. Kind right of out of nowhere. Like he just suddenly has a shield again. Yeah. By page 10, he suddenly has it. He doesn't have it in when they're in the, you know, Avengers offices and stuff. But by, when they leave to go out again, he has one. So I did some looking. Okay. Up to this point, the only thing that's established about his shield mm-hmm. is that it's made of steel. Mm-hmm. Um, and going into this mission, Tony Stark gave it a special coating to astound the lasers, lasers. Mm-hmm. So according to that info, it seems totally acceptable that it gets broken here. Mm-hmm. Um, later, of course, it's established to be instructable or at least close to indestructible. Mm-hmm. And so they say in letter columns that Cap was using a replica shield here. So Mm. why do you think he would take a replica shield into the laser fight? Because Tony's like, here, let me rub some of this lotion on your shield. And he's like, dude, the shield's important to me. And I don't know what that lotion is. So let me just grab one of these spares and do that. I can do do that that one. But then why not take the indestructible one in with to fight the living laser? (laughs) Right. And if it's indestructible, surely it can stand up to, you know, living laser. Yeah. And Tony's weird lotions. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. And that also, like, we've also had other problems where, like, remember he had that weird, like, magnetic door or something someone installed on it in the early Avengers issues. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, how's that possible if you can't even cut into it? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically just they hadn't established it yet. Sorry. And so you have to figure this out. But even, like, within the story itself, it's like my shield was disintegrated. And it's like you'd think that'd be a problem. Let's address that or something. But But I guess it's not. Because he was found with his shield. It's not like, I mean, yeah, it's that not was really like, like the he could just get one of these easily. So even if that was just a steel shield this entire time, all through the Golden Age or whatever, like that was the shield that he had. Mm-hmm. So you would think he would still be a little bit upset if it disintegrated, you know? My, my, like, my shield. How, how am I going <laughs> to get another one? I've had oh, this shield don't for 20 worry, years. Cap. We'll just go yeah. down to the steel foundry and. Yeah. Well. I mean, if it is made of steel, you could theoretically have 20 of them in your closet, I guess. It's not that yeah. big a deal. It's not a one-of-a-kind anymore. But it should be one-of-a-kind. But even still, I would have liked a page that said how he got another one, but they just decided to backtrack on yep. disintegrating it or something. Um, Goliath finds them, and he's like, the living laser escaped with Jan, and you let him? Why the? And I'm like, sir, it's quite possible this superhero is not entirely stable. <laughs> Yeah, he's getting um, – I don't know if it's like you know what's coming, so you start reading into things. Mm-hmm. But like I do feel like ever since he's become Giant Man, there are times when I read his dialogue and think, oh, that's why someone wrote that later. Yeah, it feels like that, right? Yeah, but I don't know if I'm just putting my own bias into it or, or what. I feel the same way like with Iceman sometimes. Like, oh, that's why they think he's gay because of this panel. But Right. But – that doesn't mean that's real. It's just something we know about the future. Um, spoilers, Mike. None of it's actually real. <laughs> right. <laughs> Our Sorry. feelings are real. Um, page six. Mm-hmm. Jan says, what does she say? Um, who are those two characters with the laser? I never saw them before. And I'm like, wait, oh, this again? No. Oh, no. Luckily, it wasn't them. No. I'm going to I'm basically going to have flashbacks every time somebody uses a plural object pronoun. Mhm. Uh okay. So, 
Jan has seen the living laser, Arthur Parks, mm-hmm. once in passing. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't realize it. No. But I think even if she did realize it, her confusion would still be completely valid. Right. Why is this, why is this crazy guy think he's in love with me? <laughs> right. She does think that in this issue. And it's like the excuse is that she doesn't know who he is. But like, even if she did, you're right. It's like she's never interacted with him. No, no. She, it was her friend's mm-hmm. ex-boyfriend. That she yeah. saw from a distance. Mm-hmm. He's like, I must have her. Okay. So they're using a fictitious name for this country. Uh-huh. So it's hard to know what situation of the time period they're using as inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, several nations in Latin America have a history of political turmoil during the 20th century. Sure. But since it was called Costa Verde, I decided to look up Costa Rica just to see you know, what was going on around this time and maybe compare. Turns out Costa Rica is the most stable of the lot. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Never mind. A- Aside from a military dictatorship that went basically from the first to the second world war. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led to the abolition of the military. When Costa Rica set up their civil democracy, they abolished the military. Mm. They don't have one now. Mm. Think of all the money they have without spending it on military. Right? Yeah. He said enviously. Yeah. Um, but Yeah. Yeah, I didn't love all this Costa Verde stuff. I kind of thought that was like a weird left turn that, I don't know, maybe we didn't need a two-parter. They could have just beat the Living Laser last issue and moved on. Right, because when you come come to this, you had to like give the Living Laser a reason to continue existing besides Mm -hmm. just capturing Jan because... Mm -hmm. um, Well, I mean, they could have made that the story, rescuing Jan, and padded that up more than this whole like invading the mountain seven times. Uh, Yeah. That was just so like... And the panels just kept getting smaller and smaller. I don't know. It's just like really hard. It was hard to get through. This this back half of this issue was just like sludge, kind of. The first half was easier than the back half. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the bit where Cap falls and Goliath grabs his arm and he's like, gotcha. After all, what are the Avengers without Captain America? And he says, personally, I hope you never have to find out. Mm-hmm. Isn't that how you wonder? Okay, so when does Cap leave the Avengers for the first time? Oh, Do you know? I don't know. No. Not Do you want to know? Sure. 47, about a year 47. from 47, all right. He quits to focus on being Steve Rogers, which, of course, we know lasts a really long time. Four, so you may, he lasted 43 issues. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. It doesn't stay away for a super long time, but 47 is a goodbye, I'm leaving the Avengers mm-hmm. moment. There used to be cool websites like you could look up who's been an Avenger the most and stuff like that. I don't know if they're still out there, but I imagine he's up there. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of that stuff has just migrated over to, like, fandom sites and Wikipedia sites. And by fandom, I mean, like, fandom.com wiki, wiki yeah. databases. But do they take the time to count that stuff? I don't know. I don't know. That's what spreadsheets are for. Um, um, uh, 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 yeah. If your own characters think your exposition is overdone, mm-hmm. then it's probably overdone. Mm-hmm. Because the Avengers are jumping. And Captain America is narrating the action. And Hawkeye says... Partner, I love you like a brother, but some things I can think of for myself. Yes. It's just like, okay, Roy Thomas. So did you find uh, the giant or Goliath solution a little like ho-hum after all these issues of him suffering, being stuck at 10 foot tall? Um, what is, uh, what is his actual solution? Like he and it's Bill like Foster off, just figured off, it out? Off camera, he decides to experiment with molecular 
rays or something. That's right. And now that he tells us this is dangerous, but it's like, okay, great, but we know it's going to work. So it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's also just like four, five little tiny panels when it happens, which I feel like in, in today's world, if we had three issues of Goliath being stuck, there'd be this really cool relief page of him turning normal or something again. Yeah, just like like an emotional reaction, like, mm. oh, yay, I can shrink again. Yeah. So it was all just kind of like, man, that was a lot of buildup for to solve it in this story of all things. And um, page 20, whenever mm-hmm. Goliath slash Ant-Man and mm-hmm. Bill Foster, like, clap hands or whatever, mm-hmm. um, Bill says, or they say they're going to keep working together as a team. Mm-hmm. And they don't follow up on this. Bill Foster oh. only returns occasionally after this. Is he just stuck in the back and we never see him? Stuck in the, yeah, basically. I think he is. I think the only time we see him is whenever Hank is in a lab scene and needs a partner. Uh, I like the last page, though. It's like all these little closed closed end loops or whatever. Yeah, Black Widow throwing stuff at Hawkeye. That was great. <laughs> they I'm left her behind. Yeah, but I'm glad that they haven't forgot about her completely, I guess. Yeah. And that does seem like a stupid Hawkeye thing to do to leave her behind. But but she's not even mad about missing the mission. She's mad about missing going to the tropics. <laughs> right. I don't know. It's really weird to think that they've dated. I forget that whenever I think about Black Widow, that she dated Hawkeye. Yikes. It honestly feels really separate. Like, this Black Widow doesn't feel like that Black Widow. No. That Black Widow dates, like, Daredevil and not mm-hmm. Hawkeye. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Is it time to smash some stuff up? So everybody submit your guesses as to who you is before next episode or the next uh, time we talk about Avengers. Don't yes. look. Don't cheat. Who is the you at the end? Who is yeah. that that Captain America sees? Why don't you tell all us Americans what the heck this is we're going to read now? Okay. So Smash is one of several generically named uh, UK comics. Now, um, UK comics had a combination of create uh, like locally produced material and reprint material. Um, all of their locally created material is, for the most part, kind of lost to the era. There are a few things that that were popular, but for the most part, no one really looks back and says, "Oh, I've got to have all the the issues of that you know humor strip." Um, and their reprint licenses were not company specific. So for example, in this smash on the cover, you have a Batman strip and on the inside is an Avengers strip. Mm. So it's, it's, you know, a combination of stuff. Um, and smash, if, if you're in the UK and you're reading American comics, the order that you get the stories is really slapdash. It just depends on when an individual comic decided to reprint them. Um, this particular series has been reprinting the Avengers and they've just recently, cause they'll do a, okay. One other thing about British comics is that they're weekly, not monthly. Mm-hmm. And so they have a whole bunch of little strips made by different creators who can put out content, small amounts of content every week rather than 20 pages of content every month. And so whenever they're reprinting a U.S. issue, they'll chop it up into pieces and they'll run five pages or eight pages a week until they get through the issue. Mm. They have just recently finished running through the Avengers three and okay. they've, sta- they've started the Avengers four. So you've seen what happened to Namor. And in this issue, 
they give you a story about what happened to the Hulk after the fight at Gibraltar. And there's no credits given, but the art is believed to have been by a Spanish artist, and by Spanish I mean from Spain, named Jose Garcia Pizarro, uh-huh. which is great because it's a story in Spain about Spanish culture done by a Spanish artist. And you frankly just don't have that in superheroes in the 60s and 70s. Everything really cool artists too, culture, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got some good art, but everything done about other cultures is always like from an American white guy's perspective and it's usually laced with stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But Pizarro had a cartoon career that started in the 1950s and it lasted until his eyes went bad in the 1980s. Uh. If this is his, I think it's his only Marvel credit. Um, and nowadays, having um, Spanish or Latin American or or um, artists in other countries doing your comics is pretty common because we have the internet. They could just send the digital pages. Mm-hmm. But, um, but here, it would have been kind of unusual. So yeah, so this is our story. We have a, a short Hulk story of what happened after the fight at Gibraltar, because uh, Gibraltar is on the corner of Spain, on the corner of that peninsula. And um, he turned into Bruce Banner at the end of that fight and everything left. And so Bruce is, Bruce is stuck in Spain. Mm -hmm. He's like, huh, what am I going to do? I'm half naked. I have no money. I don't have a whole lot of Spanish. Maybe I do have Spanish. Maybe I learned Spanish in college. I don't know. But um, so he starts wandering the countryside He finds a truck that is driving, so he decides to hop in the back and see where it's going and see if it can land somewhere helpful. Um, He go uh, the truck drives up to a uh, a checkpoint, a border checkpoint, and since they're not going to maybe check the back, Bruce decides to hop out. Um, He goes to a nearby town, and there is a bull running arena in the town, and the famous El Supremo. Is one of the biggest bullfighters in Spain right now. He always wins. He always, you know, does well. And he does it with with style. And and this is a sport that you know, especially in early uh, earlier twentieth century Spain, was very very popular. And so they're all throwing their hats at him and and everything else. Um, but turns out it's all like fate. Um, the uh, the spears. One of the things they don't tell you in cartoons when they refer to bullfighting and matadors is that matador means killer. Mm-hmm. And so the purpose of bullfighting is to actually kill the bull. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they stab it with spears that like hook into the skin and, and like force the bull to bleed out. Mm-hmm. And they've been drugging theirs. They're drugging their spears to make the bulls calm down more quickly so that he can win more easily. Um, and, so Bruce overhears all this as he's, you know, wandering around half naked. Um, he hides in a, um, a bull stall before the next fight. Uh, he locks the doors. They don't put a bull inside. And then while the bulls are fighting El Supremo, he turns into the Hulk and jumps out of the bull thing. And basically he does something. Oh, I don't know. He interferes somehow with El Supremo being able to stop a particular bull. So the bull chases El Supremo off of the arena and mm-hmm. him turning cowardly and running away basically ruins his reputation as being so awesome. And um, the Hulk fights, doesn't fight a bull, but he fights everyone else who's like in there trying to stop him. He doesn't so much fight the bulls as like, you know, I don't know, kind of 
not judo jujitsu, but that sort of idea of like letting them wear themselves out so he doesn't mm-hmm. have to hurt them. And then eventually that he, he, he is the last person standing because the bulls are, bulls are tired of trying to fight him. And he leaps away and swims across the Atlantic Ocean back to the United States. Yeah. Yeah, he lets bulls out that haven't been drugged so the guy can't fight them because he sucks. That's what it is. So, Boy, yeah. I, maybe the British should just do all the Hulk comic. There was a lot of Bruce Banner in this. There was a ridiculous amount of Bruce Banner, and I kind of feel like, you know that cliche, or not a cliche, but the trope of him like waking up with just his pants and like not knowing where he is and not having any money or not knowing the language, like that's never really happened in the US comics, but it's happening here. And yet it's from our perspective, it's such a trope of the Hulk, and yet totally. we just haven't seen it yet. So it's like, did the British make that up? Because here it is. And it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and Bruce has character, he's himself, it's all pretty great. Yeah. Um that is a four hour truck ride. Um, yeah. Into into the the country. And there's a checkpoint. I'm not I'm not an expert on Spanish history, especially modern Spanish history, but mm-hmm. this is during the General Franco regime, which was a totalitarian state, uh, basically a military state, I believe. So that's why there are military people checking to make sure that, you know, do you mm-hmm. have your papers? Are you doing what you're supposed to do kind of thing? Yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. The one downside I would say is their overall evil plot is like, you are Tiffany. God to everybody in Spain. Wait till we go to the U.S. It's like, yeah, it's not going to work over here. We don't care. Taking over the world through bullfighting is probably not. <laughs> we don't care. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's like the greatest soccer star in the world coming to America to take us over. Yeah. Not going to happen. Nope. Yeah. We don't the care. Same thing. Like, there are some soccer fans in the U.S., but um, <laughs> not nah. most of us. Nah. You should be an NFL player or something. That would work. But uh, yeah. Outside of that, though, and maybe they're just delusional because, you know, maybe in Spain he is a god. That kind of makes sense, I guess. But uh yeah, it was fun. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. Nothing, not a whole lot happens, but like it was the most enjoyable Hulk. Oh, I'll say something. Um, even though this was written, I don't know when this was written, but presumably around in order of what we're reading right now. Uh, or at least compared to because they're reprinting the stuff. Well, yeah. yeah with uh, what we're reading right now, you said, yeah. But I appreciate that right now in our current Hulk timeline, we're getting a lot of Hulk smash Hulk. Mm-hmm. And this Hulk is not that Hulk. He's the way he used to be. He's talking a lot. Yeah, very much in keeping with the uh, stories that this follows up on. He's a very talkative Hulk. Yeah, so it's like it's kind of cool that even back in the 60s, maybe they actually understood that there were some differences to early Hulk versus later Hulk. I don't know. I didn't think they would care about that so much, but they did in this issue anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, British comics are larger than American comics, so... There's a lot of panels mm-hmm. on these pages. A lot yeah, yeah. of panels. And, we even get, uh-huh. Well, Hulk just, just saying on page five, he's like, this bullfighting is too easy. It's more fun back in the States playing games with General Ross. Now, when he plays rough, he uses shells with nuclear warheads. And <laughs> that's the kind of opposition that brings out the best mm-hmm. in a man. And I'm like, oh, yes, the good old days. Yeah. And he's in this, too, for two whole panels. Right at the end. Mm-hmm. Is there still no news of Bruce Banner? He's been missing for so long. Yeah. It's cool the Hulk is not anti-bull. Like, he likes animals, apparently. Mm-hmm. I he's like pro- how he's not cruel to the bulls. He's pro-animal. Even though they tried to hurt him, he's like, yeah, I get it. You're just doing what you do. 
Um, Superman also swam the Atlantic in the Golden Age before he could fly. Mm. I so, do wonder if it's possible that Pizarro knew that because that would have been like, you know, 1940s and it's possible that the stories, you know, made the rounds. I don't know. So Superman did it first, then Hulk, and then someone actually did it because I did look this up after they said that, but then I forgot what the name was. So sorry. Somebody swam the Atlantic? Yeah. That's bizarre. I know. But it happened. Because I was like, is that really something that's never, it probably never happened then. First to swim Atlantic. Swim across the Atlantic in 1998, covering about 3,700 miles in 73 days. Le Comte is his name. 73 days. Benoit Le Comte, French. Wow. 73 days of swimming. He hulked it, only a lot slower. Or Supermaned it. I guess. Why is Superman swimming? Is that important? I guess it's not, but it just occurred to me. Well, um, Golden Superman couldn't fly, and he was oh. in Europe and had to get back. Yes, that's a good answer. Okay, I forgot about that. So he really so he couldn't just, fly. That wasn't even like a because I think sometimes it was muddled. Like, is he flying or not flying? It's hard to say. But that in that particular case, he thought he couldn't fly because why would you swim if you can just right? Fly? And it, a lot of times, like we talked before, like with the Hulk, it's creative jumping. But I guess you have to have somewhere you can land, and there's just nothing between Europe and the, the American continent. So if you're going to do leaps, you got to have somewhere to land on the way, and you can't. I feel like we should do a Superman podcast. I don't know. I just feel like that right now. I probably won't tomorrow. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, somewhat, I'm somehow interested all of a sudden. But okay, October's over. October is over. Wow. Okay. I think, um, yeah. I guess we need to do this whole voting thing. Yeah, everybody vote. I mean, yes, we should vote. I don't know why I'm calling it voting. We never call it voting before. That's weird. Something's on the brain. Also, it's too late. If you haven't put in votes for this month, then it's too late anyway. So whatever. Yeah, because we recorded this back in November 3rd. (laughs) It's over. It's all over, everybody. Are we still here? Let's see. All right. uh, Swiping quickly back to the beginning of the month. Okay, we started with Thor. 135. It was Thor, the High Evolutionary, and the Super Beast, a.k.a. the Man Beast. Uh, then it was Sergeant Fury 37, in the desert to die. Um, they went to, was it Northern Africa, I think? Mm, yes, that sounds right. Yeah, something like that. I don't even remember it, actually. Yeah. Uh, Tales to Astonish 87, where we had... Namor finally um, getting his, you know, comeuppance against Krang and reestablishing his rule, wrapping up the entire uh, Namor saga to this point. And Hulk fought a pink blob boy Uh. and then was knocked out at the end. And the boomerang's like, ooh, I'm going to get him. Mm -hmm. Tales of Suspense, 85. Iron Man goes into the jaws of death because it's actually Happy Hogan. Tony Stark makes a whole new Iron Man suit that looks just like the old Iron Man suit and then goes to save Happy and we cliffhanger with him against the Mandarin. Then Captain America, the Blitzkrieg of Batrock. He's up against Batrock. I think they're trying to rescue the uh, mysterious female shield agent mm-hmm. from um, from Hydra. Yeah. Batrock sets him up on a date. Basically. Yeah, that's that right. Yeah. The X-Men 27 re-enter the Mimic. Uh, and also he takes over the team and we yep. get new costumes mm-hmm. with red belts this time. Mm-hmm. Daredevil 23, DD goes wild. He fights uh, the Gladiator. They end up in Europe 
And um, Daredevil uh, basically is wandering the streets of Europe at the end of the issue. Fantastic 458 is what we talked about today. Doctor Doom and Amazing Spider-Man 44, Spidey versus the Lizard, Strange Tales 152, End of the Overkill Horn and Doctor Strange, and the Avengers 35, the light that failed with the with the laser and the uh, um, Hispanics, and Smash 38, the Hulk gets a second chance to shine. Sergeant Fury was that devil desert guy and his daughter and rescuing him and they were trying to like create a pact with his army to fight nazis or something anyway that's right that's right nothing huge but uh when is it ever with that title um i have a least favorite as i was listening to you summarize it tonight and that's gonna go to uh nick fury and the agents of shield i will not be backing shield tonight I was thinking the same thing, actually. Because it's annoying me, and this is the second story in a row that it's annoyed me. So it's like it's purposely annoying me now. So I don't like it anymore. I'm voting negative. Yeah, I was thinking, is it Doctor Strange or the X-Men? No, I kind of liked the X-Men this time, and Doctor Strange, I mean... Yeah, X-Men had some moments. But S.H.I.E.L.D. is just like, okay, that was... That it was, was bad. Point. It was bad pacing, bad lots of things. Like, like when you're actually starting to pick apart the story, like something's not right. Right. My winner is way harder. It's either Fantastic Four or Spider Man, and they both are like quite excellent and could easily be number one. So I'm I was trouble. I was going to choose Fantastic Four. Well, then I'll pick Spider Man, and then we'll have a balance. Maybe I do legit think maybe Spider Man's my favorite though. Yeah. I'm not really sure which is which, but Fantastic Four did a lot of really great stuff. It did. Um, <laughs> it had Ben Thing be scared. That was hilarious. But anyway. There was a lot of middle-of-the-road stuff uh-huh. and not-so-great stuff mm-hmm. this month. Well, but then even things like, I really enjoyed that Captain America Batrock issue, but at the same time, like, what did we get out of it? It was just kind of fun, silly, versus Spider-Man has more drama, or Fantastic Four has Doctor Doom right. taking over the world. So, yeah, unfortunately, Spider-Man it is. All righty. Well, that was no hemming and hawing. We just <laughs> no, get our, get our ratings. It. Sometimes All it's right. easy, sometimes it's not. Okay, so I guess it's time to talk about what we're going to do next episode. So, yes. starting um, November 1966, because we really are just almost done with another year. <sighs> what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> So we're going to knock out week one, November 3rd, next episode with Thor 136, Tales to Astonish 88, Daredevil 24, and the X-Men 28. It's going to be a scream, he says, because the Banshee's on the cover of the X-Men. Oh, well, that's kind of exciting, at least. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, in my humble opinion... While we're not getting into like really great stuff, I think we're coming out of okay. a low point of the X-Men Good. and getting into a more half-decent run of the X-Men. Because you just said we had to cover X-Men next issue, and I was internally groaning. But Banshee, okay. Mm-hmm. I have a little First hope. Banshee appearance. A spark of hope. Um, so since we've never actually like just sat down and recorded a copy of this outro to play every single episode, <laughs> we just say all the same stuff over and over again with different words. Where can yeah. they find us? They can. I can't remember. I really have no idea. No, they can find us at makearsmarvel.com. That website is the catch-all for uh, 
you know, obviously all the episodes, but in addition, links to the various favorite podcast apps people use or, or just a generic R- RSS feed. You can plug into anything, hopefully. Um, it also has a contact form you can use to write us or you could write directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Um, you can find me and Michael both on Twitter. Um, I'm on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Michael is on Twitter at Kaiser the Great. Um, I have other stuff I do on Twitter with my Transformers show, Return to Cybertron. Um, on that same feed should be starting soon a Jew Ranger podcast with my son uh, called Dino Squad Goals. Uh, we're talking about Japanese superheroes based on dinosaurs. And um, I also have an Image Comics podcast that has slowed down a bit in its release schedule, but it is still happening. It's still a real show called All the Pouches and Image Comics Podcast. So go check those out and um, let us let me know what you think and say hi to me and Mike on the twits. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, the election's not resolved yet. Um, as we're finishing our recording, 131 votes have been called for Biden. 93 votes have been called for um, Trump. But there's a, still a lot of states to go. So we'll have to see how it goes. Um, all right. So, that wraps us up. That's it. All right. So come back next week. And until then, or until the lizard eats his... Wait, I've already done that one. So, um, until the wasp gets another supervillain stalker and hires him as her chauffeur... Make ours marvel. Marvel.